0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people, how they do their thing, how they keep it going. That's what I love to talk about. Today my guest is writer and actor Drew Drogi. He's got a new one-person show coming out called Happy Birthday Doug, where he plays maybe nine characters at a birthday party uh, for a guy named Doug. Um, It's coming to L.A. June 11th and 12th at a theater called Dynasty Typewriter which is this really funky, kind of cool place on the way downtown. And it's also going to be showing in New York City on June 29th. So um, if you caught his last show, Bright Colors and Bold Patterns, it had quite a great journey. It's still on that journey, actually. And so I'm very excited to see the follow-up. Happy birthday, Doug. Before I get to that, I want to encourage you to check out DennisAnyone.net. There you can uh, see photos that go with some of the podcasts. All the episodes are logged there. You can also donate to my virtual tip jar, which uh, helps me cover the costs of doing the podcast. And part of that includes dog treats for Enzo, who's on the couch. Um, he, whenever I bring out the recorder to do a podcast or whatever, he gets very excited, and he has to be there where I'm doing it. I think he wants to be in show business. The point is, he's adorable, and um, I wish he was a sound engineer, because that would help us a lot. But he's not; he's just a dog. Um, what else do I want to mention? I don't know. Um, we did a really fun You Don't Know My Life um, uh, day to, to honor National Tabletop Game Day the other day at Mod Pizza in North Hollywood, and it turns out Mod Pizza is going to do some fun Pride events, so we're going to do some um, piggybacking Pride game nights perhaps in June, so stay tuned for that news. Um, that's enough plugs. Here without any further ado is the delightful Drew Drogi. Hey there, I'm coming to you from my very own home in North Hollywood. There are four of us on the couch. Me, my dog Enzo, my cat Nelson, actually my roommate's cat, Andrew Drew Hi Dennis. Actor, writer, friend, force of nature. Thank you for coming out to North Hollywood to Thank do the podcast. Thank you for having me.
1: I love North Hollywood.
0: I got an an email a couple days from you saying there's going to be a new show that's a yes. new one person show yes that you're doing and it was uh, I loved your previous one bright colors and bold patterns so mm. much that I was like he's got a new one <laughs> you know that's like when your favorite artist is coming out with a oh, new God. record or something <laughs> oh I it's hope like
1: that feeling it's um tell oh, tell me about you. it it's called well I was doing this other show bright colors and bold patterns for several years off and on and I right. did it in New York and it's getting ready to go. Um And have a have a life of its own uh without me, which I'm so excited Are about. Are you going to have um, a Samuel French cover? Uh I I wish. I'm trying to get it <laughs> published. <laughs> Don't want to bum you out. No, right but out of that's the like gate. About my dream since but high a, school. Yes, it's to be in a know. Samuel French book. We all like, know just what those have. Samuel French covers look like. I know. We, I, like. I know. Those. I know. Yeah. Um, but no, I um. So it's gonna be at the Studio Theater in DC with Jeff Hiller, who took over for me in in New York. Who's a genius? Do you know Jeff? I don't, he's, but I know the he's name. Brilliant. He's he's in New York, and he's one of the funniest, greatest people ever. So he's doing it in DC, and it was sort of it's starting to like, you know, kind of like um, you know, I've sort of left the building, and I have just sort of sort of been feeling this need to create something new, right? And I just have these like characters in my head and i've been inspired by the show's called this new show is called happy birthday doug um and whereas my last show was all leading up to a gay wedding right this is all taking place during a gay birthday party and i'm playing eight characters who are talking to doug and then i play doug at the end Spoiler so you get, to be, doug. So get to be doug yeah so um and as i was writing and i didn't really know. And I still kind of don't, which is the exciting and terrifying thing of a new show. I don't really know what it is yet. Like, I mean, the last show I could I could talk about forever. And this one, I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of exciting. And I'll see, because I'm, I'm doing it um, two nights in uh, L.A. and one night in New York.
0: That's right. June 11th and 12th in L.A., New York City the 29th. Yes. Now... When I was growing up, I did Oral and Terp in high school, Uh so you would have a drama cutting and you you would do different characters. Right, right. And even
1: as a performer, you think, I'm never going to use this. Right. I'm going to be playing one character. Exactly. You're using it. No, I am. And I'm, well, I'm mainly just doing one character at a time talking to Doug. But
0: you're creating different characters. I am
1: creating different characters. And I am doing a really cheesy thing that I can't believe I'm doing because I always hated it in, in one man shows. Or I am gonna play two characters at once because I'm playing a couple. So some and so I am gonna be switching, you turn in profile. But my director, it's those skills skills. and Tom Ditrines, who's a genius, is directing the show and he's really having me do these angular moves. He's like, it's so much more effective when you do those old oral interp things, like turning to the side and letting the audience know. You know, and I've always been like, oh god. But I, I mean, this is gonna be my fifth solo show, and I've I. I remember, I, remember, I missed the first three. Well, the first three were all um, storytelling shows. It was just okay. me telling Maybe stories. And so right. I did one about crazy teachers that I've had. Uh, and Maya Angelou was one of them and right. that story. And then I did another one about drugs, how I have all these crazy drug stories where I just can't really handle drugs very well. <laughs> and then I did a third one about um, Chloe Sevigny, like being right. Chloe Sevigny and all right. that. So. I kind of did those, and then I, these new ones are like, I'm playing characters. Right,
0: they're more They're terrifying, literary. but
1: they're so much fun to do, and they yeah. really, you know, and I, I'm going to be figuring it out in front of the audience. Is there,
0: I'm not somebody, even, I'm not, I'm not an actor in the way that you guys, but even when I was doing characters, I'm not somebody with a million voices. I'm, I'm not like that guy. Do you have like, okay, I've maybe got six. <laughs> or like, like how many, uh, when you start to write do you like okay how many can I bring to life and well, how was, do you create that character in terms of finding voice and mannerisms and yeah. how many can you do
1: I mean I don't really I, I don't have great vocal range I'm not I mean I, I should have better um, voice training than when I do and when I went through the growlings that was always one of my biggest notes because my voice kind of always kind of sounds the same um, to a certain degree and um, but this this show that I'm doing I'm I'm actually doing all gay men, so it's not even really like I'm trying to make it less of like a character showcase and yeah. more of like figuring out like what we all have in common, like right. through all these characters. Like, I, I I'm not going to be offended if people go, oh, that character was kind of like this other character, especially the that's kind sort of the point. Kind a of the point, and so like the couple is like you cannot tell them apart. that's kind of the right. joke of them. It's like right. they are basically like cookie cutter same person. Right. So that's you know I've I've um, and Tom is also working with me to sort of alleviate my. Anxiety about that, but I am a very physical performer. And I'm I'm very outside in, so I do think about wh- you know how a character stands, how they, you know, um, how they look at the at the person they're talking to, how right. they listen, like, and all of that kind of helps. And then the kind of voice kind of comes in last a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's always I mean I do the like the shows at Casita Del Campo, and we do all the par- these the parody shows, and right? Your Golden those, Girls, your Golden facts Girls, of and Facts of Life, and all that. It's like. That's, you know, I have those templates, like I can look right. at Betty White or Charlotte Ray or whatever crazy is. old lady I'm playing. I kind of, kind of go from there, but I'm not really like, I like to sort of be messy and play around and sort of not do it like exactly accurately. Cause I'm not that great at sort of nailing that. I like to just be sort of, um, you know, and, uh, you know, sort of figure it out as we go, but
0: Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What do you wear when when you when you want to be, kind of be a blank slate a That's little a bit? That's a great
1: question, and I don't know what I'm going to wear yet. Yeah. I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, but it'll be something fairly neutral that I can sort of, uh, you know, uh, something I can move in. Right. <laughs> now, they
0: with bright colors and bold patterns, I saw it right when you first did it, and then I saw mm. I saw it a couple of times. I loved it. But you were sort of exploring the way gays are sort of assimilating in a way in terms of marriage yes. and yes. how... and and what's good about that and maybe what's being lost around that Uh what are the themes Uh you're exploring in this new show this is
1: a lot about um this is sort of commonalities that we have and it's it's more sort of celebrating and eviscerating gayness and sort of and sort of what's in us that that you know i i find that in these characters all i have qualities in of all of them right and so it's about sort of saying like sort of looking at us and sort of celebrating like our past and looking to, toward the future. And also it's about, um, aging. It's a birthday party and it's about going into your forties and sort of letting go of bullshit in your thirties and the people in your thirties that you don't invite to your parties anymore. Right. And sort of that feeling like a thing about the Playboys in the band that always fascinated me was that they all you know, a lot of it was it was the sixties, but like the fact that they all hung out with each other because
0: they seem, there are a lot of times they, they seem block. like
1: they hate each other, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, and, and I used to criticize the play for that. And when I saw the the recent revival, which I thought was incredible. Did oh, you I see I that? Have, I oh, wish it I could have so seen that. Well, they played the whole thing like it was a party until the yeah. bottom drums out at the end. And they actually played that they really liked each other a lot yeah. more. But you realize that, like, even to this day, like, we go to gay events all the time and we have to just, like, make nice with all the other gay people there. There's <laughs> there right. are a lot of people we see there that we're like, ugh. This one again, right? And um, and so it's a lot about that. It's sort of like how we tolerate each other, how we, how we understand each other, and how we can't and how we can't stand each other at the same right. time. Exactly. And it's about also within aging, like sort of the Peter Pan thing that we're living in. It's like that we can be in our forties and fifties and, and and go out and and drink wine all night on a Wednesday night, and that's kind of what we do. Right. Like we don't really have. You know, "quote unquote" like traditional lives, and um, right. and some of the gays in the the show are like uh, very proud of how heteronormative their lives have become, right? And um, and some of them aren't. Some of them are just raging and still doing drugs all night. So it's just sort of that that sort of thing that that I'm interested in. All, all these right different now.
0: places where people have found themselves. In yeah, yeah. Um, where is it set? In a wine bar. You. It's said? in a wine bar. It's. Yeah. It's.
1: I base it on. Covell, yeah, uh, and um, Silver Lake. I feel like I've been there for m-
0: maybe your birthday party. Maybe, yeah, birthday. I had a party there. Yeah, yeah. and it's not—it's like... not really
1: based on any party yeah. that I've had there. But, but that, just I, that setting. That setting, and I love that place because it's—I—I I have um, friends who work there, and I go there all the time. And they—they um, they have this private room. it's yeah. like you go through a bookcase. Oh, that's You fun. push a private, uh, you know. So I'm sort of—I'm using that in the yeah. show too. And it's that, great like, it's to like,
0: have a sense of where we at. And, yeah, yeah. Um, what about? playing people in various states of drinking throughout mm-hmm, a show mm-hmm. how do you approach that
1: um well all the characters are going to have different drinks and different Enzo's things Enzo's giving they you drink, a rave so, review yes, already yes out the gate of my he's map, so he's like I like it I know um yeah. i a lot of it is just um you know tr- remembering that these people are all trying to seem sober right and so it's like they're trying to put on their best performance for the right. birthday boy and and as the you know And it's just sort of like relaxing, you know. I have a lot of experience (laughs) drinking, and um, but I think it's it's more fun to just really try to act like, you know, you're not drunk, yeah. You know, and then also there's um, some of the characters are doing Molly in the show too. So I have Molly and wine. My last show was Margaritas and Cocaine, and this show is Molly and Wine. Exactly. That's like how you how (laughs) mature.
0: Um, I also love that you like to play characters that aren't "quote unquote" likable all the time. I Love it. Yeah. yeah, that's your that's your. I was really worried
1: about that when I was writing this because I was like, "Am I saying that all gay men are terrible?" And I'm right because I, I, I would try a new character. And I'm like, okay. "That's the title of this podcast episode." By the way, yeah, I love it. But I was like, "Okay, this character we're gonna we're gonna like him." And as I would write him, and I'm like, well, "What's funny about him?" And then I would just sort of, I'd be like, "Oh, I need to like sort of find the thing to laugh," you know. And then I realized that, like, yeah, I kind of, I'm not saying that we are, but I'm also like, we as human beings are all awful at times, and that's what we want to laugh at. And that's what's, to me, I don't think people want to go and see me play a lot of really likable people. It's, yeah. it's really fun to laugh at people and at ourselves through these characters. Like, you see, you know, you got a character and go, oh, God, that's me, or that's somebody that I know. And, um, But I've always really, I've always really liked that. They're just a lot more fun to to. To play people who aren't the, the heroes and who aren't like the good people.
0: Yeah. And well, you have such a keen sense of observation with that. Like you you see them. You like you have a real. You can kind of see that as a oh, as a writer yeah.
1: or a performer. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I try. That's. I mean, it's definitely what I'm. What I gravitate towards. It. It makes me miserable in life sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because right. I'm the one person who's like. Like last night, I ran into a friend at a bar, and he's dating this garbage girl that I'm immediately just like hooked into, <laughs> hooked, hooked into, who who kept like just and she was so mean to him like she wasn't even mean to me but i was like what an all and he's such a nice guy yeah and i couldn't focus on anything but this girl right and then i met when my friend came later and we met and i just kept bringing her up and i was like that's what i pay attention to right is like but i also think that's kind of the function of comedy in a way it's like you want to point out like what's wrong in society and and in ourselves and you know, and I do. Think I think it's
0: that, a gift. I absolutely think it's a gift, oh, especially you. if you're a
1: performer. I it's it's like well, we, you know, we're in this really scary place right now, and we're trying, you know, we're, uh, and yeah, visibility, and we're trying to show that, like, you know, gay people are human beings as well, and you know, all this stuff that we still have to fight for. But I think it's like among ourselves, I think we should be able to skewer ourselves a yeah. little more than yeah. we do because I, I think it's, it's really like, fun. you know, yes, but, you know, lift each other up and celebrate all of it, but also, you know. Honey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: the bright colors and bold patterns. I felt from the outside that it was a new level for you in terms of going to New York and running there and and getting lots of nice write ups and stuff. Did it feel like a new level from the inside?
1: Yeah, I mean, it it did. It was it was it's always like been it to me. It's like the dream to do a show in New York City and like and get to do my own show. Yeah. Um, it was a really tough schedule doing it seven times a week in right. the winter of New York. Um. Having and also because I don't live there, so I just I felt like the whole time I was like, sort of a tourist and trying to figure out the right. And it's and it's like, the greatest and worst place on earth. You want to have
0: your routine, like this is where I get my coffee. Yes, this exactly. is when I go to the theater. Exactly, right? This is my and I did, I
1: did. I got to really because I was at an Airbnb and right. You know, it's it's very lonely doing a show by yourself. It's like, I mean, I feel like a lot of stand ups talk yeah. about like on the road when you're just yeah. sort of like just you and you're kind of out there doing it. Um, and obviously I obviously have a lot of friends in New York and everything, but you kind of get into the routine of doing a show for sometimes an audience full of people that, you know, you've never met that you're not going to ever right. meet and they leave. And, you know, so, um, but yeah, it was really, um, I had a lot of help and I had Michael Yuri directing and I had, um, a, um, Zach Lacks produced it, and he was—he did an amazing job. And I just—they really—they made it happen. Like, I—it was something that I never imagined because we did. I mean, I originally did it um with, you know, at the um, Versus Theater. Right. Molly Prather directed it there, and it was like this—you know—it was just me and three chairs, and that yeah. was it. And then it was like it I just sort heard. of kept kept going. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was—it was really great to get it embraced by the New York theater community and yeah. get to do it for as long as we did and then get to take it on the road. That was just, that's really, um, it's exciting.
0: What was it like when it was over in New York?
1: Um, I, I was thrilled. Right. <laughs> um, but I'm always that way, no matter what. Like, I love performing and I'm always ready for a show to be done. And right. that's just kind of always um, where I am. But I also was... Um, I was curious to see if the play would work without me with another actor right. doing it. And they wanted to keep it running and I had stuff going on in LA. So it was it was this, you know, perfect storm of us kind of oh, we always said, Well, if Jeff Hiller, if someone like Jeff Hiller could do it, right. that'd be that'd be great. So finally we were like, let's ask Jeff, Jeff Hiller, Hiller to do yeah. it, and he was able to do it. He was available. And so he took over and it gave the show a new life. And then I got to come back and I saw him do it twice.
0: What was it like to watch somebody else do it? Um,
1: awesome. I I never thought it's I also did it for so long that For years, I said, this is the only, like, no one else is going to touch this. This is my baby. This is my show. And I felt so connected to it in that way. Um, I had people that wanted to film it as a a movie. We were kind of back and forth, but they wanted too much creative control, and I walked away from the thing, and I was just like, this is mine. And then after I did it uh, for a few months in New York, I was like, I think... I was that thing that everybody talks about where you start thinking of your laundry and you see yeah. your body kind of going through the motions and yeah. you're doing it, but you're not thinking about it. That happened and it freaked me out so much. And it's like, well, that's just what happens to actors when you, it's, it's, it's total muscle memory. Right. But I was feeling like, I think I need to get away from this. And yeah. Cause I, I, I didn't want to be, I don't know. I didn't want to be bored with my own material and I didn't, and I, I didn't trust myself out there cause I was like, I didn't feel scary enough or something. So I, um, what was I it like when you first
0: son? saw him do it? The other oh,
1: person. he was incredible. He um, the first time I saw his his opening night, and he um, uh, it, it was just it was just surreal to sort of watch yeah. this play. and this were thing you like, that oh, written.
0: I never thought of that little? No, oh,
1: he added so many things <laughs> that I had not even thought yeah. of. He added things that were um, just nuances. He added a, a couple lines here and there that I thought were hilarious, and I gave him permission. I was like, make it yours. Because by the second time I saw him do it, and I and I sort of surprised him, I, I was working and I got out of time in time, and I went in, in the back of the theater. It was so like at the end of a movie where the playwright comes and watches his yeah. play because the audience had no idea who I was. I was sitting in the very back and watching him like do his show. Yeah, and there were moments where I actually forgot that it was mine at that point that it that I had written it and that I had you know done it so many times because he. He took it over, so I'm really excited to see other actors do it as well. And it's going to see what they yeah. what they bring to it because it's very, um, you know, it's all written. And I wrote every, I mean, the 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 script that we have, that's that um, we have available now for the it's we have every um and uh in the script from. Damn right. You know, but I wanted it to feel improvised. I wanted it to feel kind of messy and rough and not feel so written. Right. And so with that, I'm I'm looking forward to see what actors. You know,
0: I remember like, when I saw Buyer and Seller, and then uh-huh. I started seeing other people that I know do mm-hmm. it, and I was so glad that there's this amazing piece that these talented guys that I know can really shine. Do you feel yeah. like you're creating something that kind of? Oh, a canon? I hope so. I yeah. mean, I would
1: I would be thrilled if it had you know half the life that something like that did. Yeah, I think too. It's like we all know so many talented gay men that that should all be working more, and right. I don't think we have a lot of I mean, the sad thing. There's so many. You know, yes, you have like plenty of Terence McNally play. You have there, plenty of you know, and uh, Boys in the Band, You have the, all this, but there's a lot of a lot of gay playwrights. They didn't write roles for gay men. I mean, Edward Albee right. and Tennessee Williams. They didn't write roles for people like us. And they don't. Right. And and even you know, um, some of the the you know older generations. They have the, the, you know their gay plays. I think it's important to have these opportunities, these showcases for people who look and sound and talk like we do. Because right. And then they're not just... just the side character that right. comes in with the funny right. line. Exactly. And I think Byron Seller definitely does that. And I right. wanted to do that with my show is that like, I, when I'm lucky, I'm always the, the sidekick. When I'm lucky, I have one scene and a thing. And I right. want it to be the one you had to look at because <laughs> we don't ever get to do that. And, we're, and I think a lot of really great gay performers get frustrated in this business because there's not enough opportunities for us. Like we go to the movies and we see... We don't see ourselves in, right. in things and in TV. Or we're like a sassy one-liner and we leave. Yeah. So, yeah. Good. more. Who came and saw your show that knocked you out? Oh, God. So many people. John Cameron Mitchell. Love it. Uh, that was a huge one for, um, for me. to. Um, uh, Charles Bush. Wonderful. was another one that I was very touched that he came and saw the show. Love um that. God, let's see who else. We a lot, there were a lot of great people. Oh, Graham Norton came. Oh, that's amazing. I love. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, just these. Uh, there are just these iconic people that I have yeah. always, you know, that I look up to. That it, that I'm just always, you know, touched. That Did you
0: were. get recognized on the street? Um, sometimes
1: uh, when I was in the village, especially it it, it happened more I, when we were doing it at Barrow Street because yeah. in the village because it's like it is so such a neighborhood place that yeah. that was really fun to sort of walk around and have people, you know, they were at dinner being like, oh, we just saw your show. And, you know, oh, and then <laughs> one time I was, I mean, it's the winter. It was, there were nights that I would come out to, to a completely empty um, theater, the totally dark. Like, I mean, I would do the show, take my costume off, put my clothes on, get, go upstairs, and it was dark theater. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's not like, you know, here where you do like a one or two night thing and it's all your friends are in the audience. Right. And so I would get, I, had to get on the train and it was freezing cold and I had like I had just like just coats and hats and I'm such a spaz anyway and so I had had like I think a weird show like I didn't if I remember it wasn't one that I felt really great about it was freezing cold the sea train would was running terribly and so like I had to and so I was going down the steps to the subway to get the train to go to my place and I saw it coming and so I I somehow, I was trying to use the, the card, I tripped oh, over shit. the meter, like, I mean, yeah. or the, over the, the turn rail, the turnstile, thank you, that's right. totally tripped over the turnstile, almost ate it, spilled out, dropped everything, coat, hat, everything, made it onto the train, like a sweaty mess, and there were these two, like, totally hot, of course, guys, <laughs> who were trying not to laugh at me. And I was like, "Oh my god, those guys totally saw me do that." And then I looked, and they had my program under their <laughs> arm. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, they literally just saw the play." Yeah. And <laughs> that's like getting to see Beth Howland from Alice
0: do the straws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in real life, that's amazing. Did oh yeah. they say anything? Or uh, you just kind no? Of know I was. What's
1: I, they, we were all so embarrassed, and like I just yeah. did at that point, didn't know. Yeah. And also, like, you know, had they had they said like, "Hey, we saw your show," or. Had they started a cover? I think we both were weird because I didn't want to say like, "Thanks for coming," and I know you're laughing at me right now. And yeah. I don't know. It was anyway. I hope they had a nice laugh yeah. about it, and I did too. Like a week later,
0: <laughs> um, you mentioned John Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed him for Short Bus and Sundance oh, yeah. back in the day. I didn't. It wasn't. I didn't love him, but mm. <laughs> I did come around for on him when he gave a speech at Outfest when he won the award. Yes, and I, he I talked about yes. selling out. And how you, there used to be a thing called selling out where uh-huh. you could like have a relatively productive and successful life as an artist in a certain lane. Yes. Uh, and, and, and have a life and have a roof uh-huh. over your head. And how that's over now. <laughs> right. You, exactly. And it's like selling, everyone just, selling out is, is actually what no, you have to do.
1: Absolutely. Um, no, it, it's, uh, it's totally that. And like
0: it, my thing is now, where do I go to sell out? I,
1: I always, it's like why I moved to LA. I'm like, I did not move to Los Angeles to like lick trash can lids and be an artist with an E on the end of it. Like I, I, you know, but now, I mean, I just saw a, a friend of mine is in Aladdin, the new live action Aladdin. Yeah. And the, at the premiere of Aladdin, it was like the um, step and repeat was like Aladdin. And then it was like some sort of like Pampers and like mellow yellow. It was like some sort of thing, and it was like underneath that. It was it wasn't that. It was some. But it was even like, Aladdin, has even to Aladdin, Aladdin, even Disney. <laughs> it was like Disney and Aladdin, which are like okay, obviously got that. But then it was like some completely unrelated, like a yogurt or something. And I was like, some like they cannot literally, leave. They
0: can't leave a nickel off the table. They yeah, have to take. They have everything. To take and as an it. artist, you have to. Do you have everything. to do it. It's not like oh, I would never him. let my song be used in a commercial for. A douche. No, where no, do you want you it? Better, you want to better.
1: absolutely <laughs> better. And anybody, you know, I know it's such a '90s thing. I think. You but go you could the do 90s, it. You, you can have a life. Yes. Yes. And do it's do like, it who, Oh, you know, don't sell out, and don't ever be a sellout. I remember
0: when I had my first novel, and I thought, I, the, 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 if they, if anyone tries to option it, but they don't want the characters to be gay then I will, that, then that's a deal breaker. And, uh-huh. it's, and it, it still should be, especially yes. story-wise, well, it wouldn't make that. sense. Now yeah. you can do that, yes. But back, now I'd be like, "Where do you want to make him a skinhead? Where do I sign? <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> I yeah. know. You I want know. me to we send the to. movement back five years? Let's go for Great. ten. There's the check? <laughs> but you, I know. But th- there used to be a lane you could have a life and and not sell out, and now
1: it's kind of like, no, all bets and, are off. And it's kind of like, I, you know, I've always been, you know, the weird, I mean... Uh, the thing is, like, I always do things that gravitate towards less money, like what I prefer to do in terms of live theater. And like this new show, I was just telling someone, well, I'm, you know, doing this show, I'm playing nine characters, and, a, you know, and, a, and, so, and then immediately someone was like, and maybe all nine of them could be their own episode on a Netflix show. And I'm like, well, I, I was like, I never think that way. I love that you would think that. I'm like, sure, let's go <laughs> for it. But I don't, I don't always think about like how to, how to make money, but I'm always open to it. I'm like, absolutely. Like we also have to have these like cobbled together lives. Like, I mean, for me, it's like, I, um, I, I do, I love teaching, but I, I have to teach sometimes I have to write sometimes. And it's like, you yeah. know, I have to cre- not only create my own material, but like create material for other people. And that's what it is like to right. be an artist. Now you have to just kind of do, and there's no shame. And, or, Any and I have a it's... lot of friends who like, they work two or three nights at a, at a wine bar or yes. they at a restaurant or they do, you know, and you're like, I do that.
0: We all, we all do that kind of stuff and it's like... And it's everyone. Even the people that you think are really, uh-huh. like, successful, you have those conversations uh-huh. and they're like, yeah, I'm oh, really, yeah. yeah. It's absolutely. everybody. So you gotta make peace with it, right? Of
1: course. And it's like, I would love to do just some huge commercial trash. Like, put me in a... Absolutely. Because it's like, there's no sense of, like... There's no... Also, you don't get pride in, like, well, I... I'm not gonna lower myself to do you know, but I mean, we're all whores. Yeah, we are all whores. Right. I mean, Meryl Streep. Yeah. It, Mama Mia, two. Here we go again. Yeah.
0: I couldn't figure out from the billing. I was like, is she in the movie? Is she not in the movie? Is she dead? Is she? I don't I back? Did, I, I spent sorry, the whole time worried about how much screen time we were gonna get with her. Right. It took me out of the movie. Is she
1: not in the that much? The movie? She's I know kind she's kind of in. Like, she does dead, pop right? up. She's, she's dead. She uh-huh. pops up.
0: But I was, the whole time I kept wondering, how much time do they get Meryl for? Anyway. Right, 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 right. Uh, but this has been a, re- a theme lately with a lot of the people that I've interviewed. They were all just doing it to do it.
1: Right. Uh, yeah.
0: My, I, I met a friend last night for dinner and he's starting this, he's a, he's a, um, interviews people and does media and reviews mm-hmm. and things like that. And he's going to start a uh a website about queer reviews, about, you know, whatever. And he's like, I don't know if there if there's any money in it or whatever. I was like, just, just do it. That's what everybody's doing.
1: Absolutely. Nobody's
0: kind of cracked it in no. terms of like um we're, do- we're all doing these things. Like, Jack Plotnick's got his funny videos that he makes I, online. Absolutely. And they're
1: kind of amazing. They're incredible. I know. I was thinking about the, the other day he had that one in the front of the mall. Yeah, It's the alien
0: thing. It was like, it it's felt so like crazy. So- and I
1: love him. I love that he does that. And I also think it's like, it's it's really important to just do things to do them. I think it's important. Because you really right? aren't thinking about what the industry wants or what's trending now. I always, I always tell people that, like, do whatever, whatever you think is funny, whatever you think is valid, whatever's on your mind, do that, yeah. because there'll be somebody that will connect to that. And if they don't, who cares? Yeah. If if, it, if nothing comes of it, like, no one's going to go. I mean, you have that voice in your head, like, with my new show that I'm doing, oh, my God, I've had every day being, like, the voice saying, like, who do you think you are? Is anybody going to care about this? Blah, blah, blah. We all have that constantly going, right. and you just have to tell that voice, shut up, and then... and. But no one is gonna do that. Like no one is gonna criticize you for trying and for yeah. doing something. You gotta do the thing. And if you're and if you're always chasing like what's the hot thing, by the time you make the hot thing, first of all, it's not gonna be authentic. It's not gonna be good because it it's not coming from you yeah. at all. And then it's just gonna be like, oh, it's gonna feel old. Yeah. So
0: I just feel like in history looks back on this little chapter of like artist life in Los Angeles among my friends it was like oh it's just oh, a yeah. bunch of people kept trying
1: oh I know exactly and, and then they no that's the whole story right there's, and, uh, <laughs> there's no so there's I'm, no like Midnight in Paris like where they all eventually became huge those no. no and that's no. En- and that's gotta be
0: enough though right it's gotta be enough
1: it's, it's gotta, gotta, gotta be, be. Enough. yes yeah that's the point yeah.
0: Does social media play any role in your current play in terms of the how the characters are inter- relating?
1: Not really. I mean, I do have one character that does you know post a lot on Instagram and talk about that a bit, but um, it, it 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 um it doesn't so much. I mean, I, I think, Yeah,
0: I do think it's a very contemporary thing, and I just wondered if you had a take on this. I have a theory that the couples that post happy couple stuff,
1: oh, miserable.
0: I no, I think it helps the relationship. Mm. I'd be curious to see this studied okay. because I feel like they get constantly validated. I'm bored as fuck with this guy. Yeah, yeah, but when yeah. we take a cute picture on the beach, we get all these uh-huh. Validation. Oh, that's such an interesting... And that makes yeah, me almost want to stay right. with him a little right, bit more. Right, I don't know. It's just a theory.
1: Well, and also you have this weird, like, partner. Not only, like, romantic partnership, but a business partnership. Yeah. If you're, like, insta-famous and you're like, well, and if we break up, all my all of our followers are going to find out about <laughs> it. They're going to eventually find out. They're in our lives. Yeah.
0: Remember, do you remember this? You may be too young, but remember those bodybuilders, Rob Jackson and Rob Paris, they were no. There was a blonde one and a brunette one and it was okay. like the 90s. Uh-huh. But they were the poster boy hot gay couple or whatever. Oh my God. And they were, they were were there was nobody else out like that in that way. But then they did break up and it was a thing.
1: It's, it's so they weird. They would have been
0: Insta-famous for sure. But now
1: I feel like everyone's famous. Like we're yeah. all famous. Yeah. And we all know. I mean like I I talk to people online all day. Like just on somebody else's Instagram page and people will comment to me and I'll, I'll start a conversation with someone and sometimes they'll send me a DM and I'll all of a sudden we know each other and it's like we all like just we there's so much accessibility that we have that's like oh yeah we can just get to each other and get to these people so i also wonder about that it's like when this this the bubble will will burst where it's like no i mean you know it's like when youtube broke out and people were having millions and millions of hits on youtube and now it's like if oh if your if your video gets like ten or twenty thousand hits, that's a lot because YouTube's so saturated with right. stuff. So it is a thing where I, I just I wonder like how much longer are we gonna have that or what's the next step? Or yeah. Because there's or gotta does be another it sort step.
0: of burnout at a certain point? Right. Yeah. Right. No, I could totally see that. You've done like things that big viral things, the Chloe 7 7a stuff. How has that affected your uh, your career in terms of opportunities, auditions. Are there things that you got through that stuff that you would have never gotten any other way? Oh,
1: absolutely. That definitely was my calling card. And it still is in a lot of ways. I'm still like the guy that does the Chloe videos, which is great. And I, I've gotten to do all kinds of things. I just uh, found out today because it's going to be on HBO, the the wi- uh, Wigstock documentary called oh, Wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that I got to be a part of Wigstock because I was because of doing Chloe. And that was yeah. like something I have you know loved forever and um but then a lot of other um just tv appearances just when i played men like it's something they just like the videos and it's been yeah. people's entree into like my sense of humor and just me as a performer so i don't know what i would have done without the internet and how but do this, they
0: reach you they do you dm you or do they go sometimes sometimes
1: they'll go through my agent yeah, yeah. or or they'll, or they'll or they'll or they'll send me a, a message you know right you know um so yeah, but I mean, like it's um, it's it's a weird thing. It's also when you're like when you do something that's on, you know, that's you know in someone in someone's phone, like in someone's hand, yeah. And they feel very connected to that because it's not like when, I mean I I can't imagine if you're like a TV star or a movie star, people feel like oh I can't go talk to them or I can't right. reach out to them and whatever. But when it's a when it's an internet thing, when it's a YouTube thing, I think people feel very. It's a different sort of yeah, connection. I follow them. you. And so, and yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. Um, uh, you were on Heather's the TV show. Yes, that had a very tricky trajectory. God, I know. It was, was going to be coming out and be cool, and then it got it pulled was... because of
1: the school shooting stuff. Yeah, and then it came back. I know. What it was, was that whole season? Oh God, like for you? it was a nightmare. <laughs> Honestly, a nightmare. Last year yeah. was terrible with that. I'm not going to lie; it was for all of us because the show was so good, and it was uh, truly. Truly groundbreaking in, in its own way. I mean, talk about um, unlikable characters. You had the new Heather's um, were there were a lot of LGBT characters. Right. Um, a lot of the you know it was like so the Heather's were plus size and one yeah. of the Heather's was a was a um, a, um, a queer woman and you know it's like uh, and uh, biracial and all this stuff that's like. Not the pretty blonde girls that walk down the hallway anymore, and right. um, and it was saying that all people are capable of, of being, being nightmares, asshole. yeah. <laughs> and and popularity corrupts, and um, you know, so it's equal opportunity, you know, um, you know, slam on society. Right. But the show was um, very dark, very edgy, just like the film. Yeah. And um, you you know, Jason McAuliffe created an incredible show, and you don't do heathers and make it like. Cute, like it right. has to be sinister, and um, so yeah, we 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 had Paramount Network that were like loving the show, and it was like you know, and we were at every table read going, "Oh my god, I cannot believe we're gonna Doing do this,", this. Yeah. um, and but we also we had some of the smartest writers yeah. that really knew what they were saying with everything, and we and um, um, anyway, the the um, Parkland shootings happened right before we were supposed to premiere and we all I mean not like I had any say in it whatsoever. Is the I played the drama teacher. Of course I had a lot of say in the way right. the show where no, but everybody was supported the decision of the network to, to hold the show for uh, for a while because obviously the, you know, the conversation also the conversation was so on the side of these of these kids and we wanted to support the Yeah, the you kids wanted in to Florida. give them we their full moment. Yes. And we didn't certainly want to make fun or make light of any of that. And yeah. it's like um but it kept getting pushed because there's still there were more and more shootings and in schools and synagogues and churches and everywhere and it was like, yeah, that's kind of the point the show right. is making. It's it's where we are right now. Right. And it was just a very weird moment to be told like we're not going to do this show anymore because these real it's things too happened that I know. And it was like because it's we too did a, I mean, Mo Gaffney did an episode where she came in and she was the head of the school board and she was giving out guns to all the teachers and then you know and then five minutes later I shoot her and you know and kill her and it was like uh, accidentally and it was like but that was before they were People like issuing giving guns. guns to teachers and it's like well it's where are we crazy yeah, what I don't understand though is that like you have these shows that are very earnest you know like 13 Reasons Why which is this sort of romantic teen suicide show that I just don't understand I mean hooray for everyone but I don't get why that is able to be on and then but we're so if there's
0: something of, in hu- if there's some humor in it, There's so weird. It with feels like you're right not now. being serious. It's, it's not. It's not and prayersy. It's I know, not and, and it's prayers-y. like it's
1: really scary to me because in yeah. society, it's like we can't laugh at that. We can't. We can't laugh at those things. It's like you no. Know, the whole reason, and we can't
0: do anything about them either.
1: Right. Exactly. So right. what are we gonna do? Right. Um, but is it available now somewhere? It is. I believe it's on the Paramount app. Yeah. Paramount Network app. Um, the final episode never aired because, uh, it, it involves the, the school blowing up. Spoiler. <laughs> I'll tell you if you're not gonna be able to see it, but, um, uh, I, I know they're illegal, uh, you know.
0: They exist somewhere. Uh-huh. All right. Maybe that will yeah. be a thing. Um, when you were doing that, was that your highest profile regular yeah. thing? Yeah. When you're doing that and you're like, I think for an actor, that's a dream, right? To have a regular gig.
1: I had never had a regular job. Like I'm, because I got to do every episode of that show, and I've never had a job like that. Um. Also, knowing that I had that lined up for several months, um, I was able to take a vacation like a normal yeah. person and be like, I'm going to go up because I can't take work for the next couple of months because I have a job. Yeah. And I know I can carve out this time, and so I went to Europe with a friend, and I did like a, a real, which is the kind of stuff you don't really ever get to do, right, in the world we're in right now. Because I mean. Now I feel like if I scheduled a vacation it'd be right when I would would get a job or I'd be like I would feel guilty spending money cuz I don't know when my next job is coming or whatever so right. so for that it was um it was really kind of wonderful and also it was like it was it was an incredible show to get to work on I mean it it would be great to have any regular gig um that you would have to go and do but um I'm never used to that I'm usually I pop in for one or two
0: So did the trajectory of that leave you thinking, okay, I did it once, I can get it again, and have that kind of stability and or was it like, oh God, that I had the dream and it blew up in my face? A little bit of both PTSD around that.
1: Yeah, a little bit of both because I've done this long enough to know that like I didn't just like, oh, I've hit it, I've made it. Right. You know, it's hard not to listen to the noise around it because you have everyone around on the show talking about when we have the show out and all the awards that we're going to all win and all of that sort of stuff. (laughs) Also, it was an incredibly young cast. It was a lot of kids on the show who were were incredible. And, of course, it's like if I was their age, I would be thinking and saying all the things. But we had writers and producers and everybody telling us, like, this is going to be a groundbreaking show. And had we had the attention, it would have been. It may have been hated even more than it was, but it would have been definitely talked about yeah and it was audacious so yes it it was very audacious and i and so i thought that it was hard not to listen to sort of that noise and think what's next what's the next step and where where are things going um and then um when it blew up it was this that feeling of like well you know you know here we go again let's let's start this over again because it's it's it is hard it's hard to sort of just think that like oh this when this kind of comes out, and we had already, they already paid for season two to be written, so we were already hearing about a second season, and yeah. then it was just like, eh.
0: And the worst, I know. And sometimes when you get that thing, and you get your chance in the in the thing... And you realize it's kind of as good as everyone says. And it's yeah.
1: kind of awesome.
0: Yes, You're not able to go, well, you know what? I did it and it's not all it's cracked to be. No, right. it's kind no, of it's that. kind of wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. So you know what it is. Yes.
0: But it's just about the hang in, right? It, it, and staying creative. Is. I mean, and, and it's not just actors that I talk to about this. It's sort of everybody that I know. I just I came know. for lunch with a friend of mine who's an entrepreneur. And he's like, everything you do, it moves the needle maybe a little. Like, it's yes. just, but that's what, it, we picked it and we're all in it. Yeah. Um, you are both affiliated with the
1: Groundlings and UCB. Yes. I, I have been. I didn't I,
0: know yeah. you could do both. I thought you oh, yeah. had to pick a side. Oh, yeah.
1: A lot of people do. A lot of people do both, especially yeah. now. Um, I would love to be more involved at UCB. I haven't done anything there in a while, but I was. I did a lot of stuff with them. That means um,
0: uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, the the comedy Yes. Place. It was,
1: um, um, yeah. It, um, they're both really different. Um, but I, I, I came up with the groundlings and that was, that was really my training. And that was like, I spent my twenties at the groundlings theater, learning characters and, you know, making friends and, and, um, failing and getting up and trying it again. And then, and then UCB was later, like after I had already done the Sunday right. company, the groundlings and I went over and did UCB, but yeah, they, the, um, there's a lot of rivalry among students because they, they both teach very different approaches to improv, right. but all the people who are like main stage at both theaters, like, have, I mean, for the most part, have respect for each other, because it's a yeah. thing where it's like, you know, um, a lot of times, too, it's like, I mean, UCB has been out here for a little over 10, or maybe maybe 15 years now, almost, um, but for a while, Groundlings, if you lived in LA, you did Groundlings, if you lived in New York, you did UCB, if you right. lived in Chicago, you did um, Second yeah. City or IO, like, you a lot of it depended on the city you were in, more than, right. like, the philosophy that you... Right. You know, the cult that you belong to. Um, but I've always been a believer in doing a, a like, sort of, sort of being um, liberal arts about it. And sort of kind of getting what you like about one and, yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, not buying in wholeheartedly and putting and <sighs> your options open.
1: Yeah, Groundlings was As tough.
0: As a teacher, have you observed the changing culture and how it affects what people think is funny, what people think is okay? Mm-hmm. And you're also very political and very socially aware and opinionated how has that been to watch
1: it's you know i i um taught a class just a few months ago i hadn't taught in about a year and i took a uh, a class and they were just lovely i mean i really did like all of them not just saying that some on your podcast but they were so scared to play um ugly people to play mean people to play awful people I would have them come in and go play your worst boss you've ever had play the worst person who bullied you in high school and they would be like I don't want to make I don't want to make them seem awful and it's like why not to what we were talking about earlier so everyone's very scared right now what they can get away with and what they can do and my feeling is always like you know if it's if you're playing a character that's based on a real person we want to see it amped up and heightened we want to see all of it, and also, you you should laugh. You know, it's it's a it's a corrective. Like I always say, comedy is a corrective. It's saying don't be this person. It's not saying this person's great. You know, and people um, wouldn't
0: laugh if it didn't feel true in some way. Yes, laughter is the most honest reaction that there uh, exactly.
1: is. Exactly, and it's and it's a it, it's a very therapeutic, and it, and you realize that like we can sort of we can sit in a room together. We might all think differently about something and have different, you know, different experiences, but we can, when we all laughing at something, we all are connected in a way that, but you can't be afraid of being politically correct and being delicate and all that, you know, and, and it's something that's, it's strange how the pendulum has swung because like now the far right is saying exactly what I'm saying, you know, because they're just like, we're not going to be politically correct. I'm going to say whatever's on my mind. It's like, you have to be, you have to know what you're saying. And, if, and take responsibility for it, you know, and, and be willing to say, be like, yep, this is this is what I'm saying. But you also, it's like I think on the left we're so dainty and we're losing our sense of humor in a way that we can't, we absolutely just cannot. And so um, I've I've noticed that a lot, but I do see it swinging back. I see also I see a lot of young people, you know, who are coming up who are going, that's bullshit, and it's it's making me happy. Because I don't believe that all millennials, which is I guess people the phrase that people use for anyone who's like thirty five to yeah, zero. Right. I don't know it's like, like millennials. I don't know what like, the window. What is do you mean wide. by millennials? Because millennials are approaching forty now, but yeah. you know, but like younger than that are just kind right. of seeing that and going, Ugh, come on, let's you know.
0: Are there things that you look back on in your comedy career and think, oh, I could never get away with that now? I I probably do. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Fashion Police. I don't think that show would exist now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably kind of for the best. Yeah.
1: Because it's like, because it's like woman shaming and like and and, 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 and bullying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I was reading this article about what the current state of Britney Spears and all the stuff Uh around it. And they did make the contrast of like when she had that breakdown in this 2007 or whatever uh-huh. how mean the media was yes. and how much fun they made of her yeah. and now the tone is a little bit more like she's going We're through concerned. something and right. i think that's a good thing I culturally
1: i think it's yes
0: but i also think how no i you think be it's funny around it and I, yeah
1: i just think the bar just keeps getting raised and i think we have a greater responsibility to find other jokes and find other things to say right. but and that's the hard part because they're they're easy jokes you can make my, my problem is i get offended by easy jokes that are that are you know and so it's not like if you have nothing better to do than make a gay joke or make a fat joke or make a woman-based joke or a race joke or whatever because right. that's all you have it's like that's easy and that's uh, you know uh, uh, somebody else might be like offended i'm more like really that's so lame like that's like what yeah you know somebody's drunk uncle would say at a party it's like that's yeah. not like so yeah i just think it's a, it's we have a we have a you gotta find other stuff.
0: You gotta find also digging a little deeper because mm-hmm. I think now we're we're more at a place of like, Okay, so Brittany's having problems. and then you're starting to ask you're starting to do sort of detective work in your head about what might be those influences. Sure. Or, and so I think when you're building characters, it probably helps to be able to go, Okay, they're annoying in this way. Where do you think that comes from? What's that about? And is it more humor to be mine? Absolutely. Mind there?
1: And not just be like, They're crazy, I'm gonna play crazy <laughs> or you know, um and it's it does definitely help when I have to teach other people to do it because it makes me work that muscle and and, you know towards myself when I'm writing it as well and go what is that about and we we can still laugh at it but we have to kind of know what it's about other than we just can't punch down yeah if we know someone it's a lot like I you know it's like you can't laugh at someone with Tourette's but you can laugh at someone who has no filter yeah and and it's kind of the same exercise but if we know this person just like I say whatever's on my mind I'm you know and they're just, you know, and they should know better, and they're just an asshole, right. you can laugh at them. Right. If they have a medical condition, then it's it's like, oh, they have a disease. It's like, we can't laugh at that. Right. So it's just about going, it's about going into the psychology and not into the, you know. Yeah. What does it feel like for you when you get a big laugh? How would you describe um, it? Uh Oh, it, it. it's, you know, that's a great question. I don't... I can. I usually could take a breath. It's, like, where I can kind of breathe. Yeah. And and I do feel connected, and it does feel... It Obviously, it feels great, but it's also, like, a moment of just, like... Uh, you know, it spoils you for life, because in real life, you get interrupted all the time, and right at the moment we're going to do a punchline, the waiter will show up, at, right. you know, or whatever. And it's, like... So I do get... I, I, I realize that, like, when I perform a lot, I sort of, like, ugh. Oh, I love the controlled environment of like everyone else shutting up and <laughs> listening to me, <laughs> just listening to me talk. Right, uh, which is like <laughs> life is a lot harder. Yeah, um, but I do think I don't know. I I feel like um, I don't know. Getting a laugh in life is a, maybe a different feeling than getting on stage. Yeah. Do you feel that way? I don't know. I guess like, I...
0: on stage, like if we're doing mismatches, somebody laughs uh-huh. or something. It's just a feeling of like, oh, we're doing what we're here to do. Yes, we're all it's going
1: good yes.
0: there's some there's some goodwill around it and if it, it just feels like
1: you are well and it feels like the greatest up to laugh, the promise or when the audience feel like that was just for them cuz when anything like goes wrong i think that's the greatest thing it's like when you kind of improvise enough, and you kind of go, oh, um, last night, uh, Jamie Foxx on the... Did you watch I didn't watch. I didn't either. I just watched some clips, but there's a clip of him. He flubbed a line. Yeah. And he made a huge joke out of it, and that's the thing everyone's talking about today, is like, Jamie Foxx just spun gold, and it's like, Yeah. yeah, that's the beauty of improv, because we really did realize it's live. Yeah. You know, and even though he's an incredible comedian and Oscar winner, he screwed up his line, and... So I think audiences really laugh at that when it feels honest and it feels like that happened in front of them right yeah. there. So that's the reminder of like, don't phone it in and don't don't expect a laugh. That's the other thing. It's like, if it got a laugh last night, it doesn't mean it's going to get one tonight. Right. And that's the hard part is then you you go out and you expect a laugh for your first place where you got one last night and you don't get it. And you immediately go, You're like, I'm bombing. Yeah. And they hate me. Yeah. And they're just listening. Yeah. They're not thinking they're about you. <laughs> the last
0: night. I was watching an interview with Jason Matsukas. Uh huh. Oh I, my God,
1: I saw it. I love him so much. I wanted to into hold him. Last me. Night. I know. I wanted to hold me. He's my celebrity crush. He's, I know. He's a dream. And yeah. I ran into him last night and I told him about that video. The one, the, the on camera one? Yes. Yeah. It's so great. But
0: he just talked about how improvisers because of their training, might approach life differently in a yes-and mm-hmm. way. Do you find that to be true?
1: Yes. I definitely changed how I, how I um, communicated with people, how I listened. Um, it really made me, uh, just because the whole idea of yes-anding is just connecting to what your partner just said or did and adding on to it as opposed to saying yes-but. Because in life, that's what we do. If, if you're lucky, you get a yes-but in life. Right. A lot of times it's a no-but or it's a complete non sequitur that has nothing to do with what we were talking about. So it really helped me listen and connect. And I think um, it also teaches you how to be a team player and how to work with group with, you know, uh, in, in, in different dynamics. I mean, we go in and teach these corporate um, uh, we do these corporate events. We go into companies and we teach them the skills of improv about, you know, how they can communicate with each other. And it's not about being funny, but it's about, about, um, dare to say yes you know dare to make your partner look good and think like oh my coworker's idea instead of saying here's the problem with your idea going here's i'm going to make that work and yes and i'm going to make it better um and so it definitely um helps with that and then i think with comedy like the difference with stand-ups and improvisers is that like improvisers are i mean we're you know um we know we we sort of have to work with a team of people. And so we're not worried about being funny all the time. And that's what I thought Jason had a great observation about is like, when you get to do improv and it's something that I have to constantly battle because I love to go, I'm a pig. I love to go out and get my laughs, but it's like, there are times that you're like, you're being a team player. You're not going to get all the laughs. And that doesn't mean that actually is harder to do. And that's when you're actually really respected. in the improv troupe is the person who can actually, you know, Make it work. But it's good in life to realize, like, I can walk into a party and I don't have to be the life of the party. Right. You know, I don't have to be the star everywhere I go. I can sort of just, like, be part of a group. Or I can be, a, uh, you know, an observer tonight. And yeah. I think improv teaches you, like, you have to play different roles at different times in your life. Um, which I think is is good for people who have a natural um, entertainment bone in them on whatever that means to them because I think a lot of people feel like they have to be on all the time if they're yeah. known as the funny guy at work yeah. or the funniest lady at, at, at the party it's like you don't always have to yeah be that. calm down yeah uh,
0: did, did doing improv make you more adventurous
1: um yeah I would definitely say it did it also like um it did help me relax a lot more and sort of find um uh what I was going to do. And I mean, in terms of adventure, I was not afraid of things as right. much. I used to, I've, I sort of live in fear of so many things like, Oh, I don't want to you know, do this or do that. And, uh, improv definitely made me feel like, well, you know, you, you, you know, I, I, for 80 Patterson, amazing improviser, a friend of mine. And she was, she always says like when she gets, she's like, she just says, well, I, you know, I might die tomorrow. Yeah. And so I may as well go do this, right. do everything I have tonight. I'm doing improv. And I love that idea of thinking of like, so, yeah, for sure, you know.
0: Do you remember a time before you sort of found your comedy groove or your place to be and then finding it and, and the difference it made in your life? Was um, it a feeling of coming home or I found my place? Yes.
1: I would say I, well, first of all, like, I, I grew up in a really funny family. My right. dad did a million characters Saturday mornings growing up. I was the quiet one in my family and yeah. still am. Like, my family kind of, I mean, now I was just home and saw that and they And they, they actually know who I am more through the internet than I was like the quiet kid at home. Right. So school was the place where I could be funny. Like right. I was the funny one at school and I would get these terrible conduct grades. And my parents were just like quiet drew. Like well, they know that my brother would, they knew he was, Yeah, a that mom. made sense. But, but I was like, <clears throat> you know, the, the really bookish one who was always, you know, so school was definitely that place. I remember in second grade, I got asked to be in the school play, which was Winkin', Blinkin', and Nod about, you know, the kids that go on a right. wooden shoe through dreams. I played the African parrot. <laughs> and that was like, I remember that in second grade being like, that was a huge moment for me getting to, to do that. It felt like you yeah. tapped into something authentic. And then it was like the summer after college when I spent a summer in Kentucky uh, doing summer stock theater in the middle of nowhere. And I was really... I found, like, that was the time that I was like, oh, I can do this. Like, I was on my own. I was making $50 a week. Um, No joke. $50 a week. Right. But I was, you know, it was magical, and that was the time that I was like, that was it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is where I need to be. Yeah. Doing this kind of thing. Yeah. All right, you picked some questions from the observation deck.
1: Great. What was the theme of your high school prom? Oh, I picked that because... I, the, my high school prom, the, the theme was one of them was unforgettable. Cause that Natalie Cole song was, yeah, was yeah, yeah. popular, yeah. but I don't really know what else it was, like what that meant. It was just yeah. unforgettable. Um, and then I think it was like Paris the year before that. But I went to, uh, this like nerd riot summer school thing called governor school, for like a pre-college thing. And we had a prom there and the theme of that prom because I guess people liked the song. Was I still haven't found what I'm looking for? Because <laughs> I think they just liked the U2 song, yeah. but it was like just a horrible message for a prom. And it was like you would show up with a date and like I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah, um, but it was true because we were all nerds and uh, deeply unhappy in North Carolina. <laughs> so it was it true.
0: Was, it, was, it was existential. Yeah, I remember coming. We were on the theme trying to come up with a committee, and someone's like, "Well, why don't we just call it?" let my love open the door and lock everybody out what? and not, not have to do decorations or anything. Yeah. All right. What teacher did you dislike the most?
1: I had a horrible uh, teacher in 11th grade uh, named Patsy Smith. And she was just uh, this like raisin with shoes. Uh, and, and she was the person who would love to make you look, feel stupid. Um, she would ask a lot of trick questions in class like, who was the first, first president of the United States? And we would, like, you know, George Washington. And she would be like, oh, you're very wrong. It was actually, because it was, like, before it was actually U.S. It was somebody else that we didn't right. even know. She loved
0: Those doing that. Yeah. And
1: she also um, had, like, the room stunk of, like, old, like, shit, sanka coffee. Because she's always pounding coffee. And so I really had an issue with her. And w- would go back and forth and love to make fun of her and do impressions of her and make the class laugh. And there was one day that she sent me to the office to go get post-its or something for her. Like, she needed something. She just sent me on an errand. And when I was gone, apparently she turned to the whole class and she was like, what is wrong with Drew? (laughs) And she started this campaign against me. And it was all my friends that were in the class. And it was like she wanted to turn everyone against me, which didn't work. Because, you know, newsflash, like, as a teacher now, like, if I did that, of course the class is going to immediately tell me the second I come back into class yeah um that's so yeah. not
0: cool for a teacher to actually wage a campaign yeah
1: yeah she was awful she was yeah. horrible she needs
0: a second mm-hmm. what movie did you see when you were way too young to see it
1: um the first uh, there were two that I think of um valley girl yeah uh, was the first r-rated movie I saw way too young yeah. um with my mom uh, it was on hbo and, uh, I just remember like not understanding what those teenagers were doing together. Um, and then um, I guess it was after that. It would have been after that. Yeah. A few years later, we went in 84, we went to go see Snow White in the theater and there was a trailer because in the eighties they didn't monitor trailers before yeah. whatever movie you're going to watch. And there was a, a preview for Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh shit! And I remember that spiral staircase, that like the yeah. the, the fire and the hell thing, and I you know in the basement of Nancy's house, and I remember I I was obsessed with that movie, and I was like I have to see that, and I've been a huge Freddy Krueger fan ever since. So I was too young, but also like but you were in, but I was damaged, in, yeah, like it 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 like yeah. got me. What's the worst costume or uniform you've ever had to wear for work? I, this summer at, let's see, after my freshman year in college, I went, my family moved to another town, but I went and, st- and lived in my hometown, again, and um, was working at a Winn-Dixie, which is a, a supermarket. Yeah. I worked in the seafood department, and I had to wear this bright green, like, turquoise baseball hat with, like, gray netting behind it, and an awful apron. I was like... Overweight and like really, really pimply, and I had to like clean fish.
0: Did you smell like fish all the time? All the time,
1: constantly. Oh and I was and I was living with a sheriff, like a friend of ours who was the sheriff of the town, and his like nineteen year old girlfriend. I like lived with them for a summer, and I was directing a production of Pump Boys and Dinettes. Of course, and, you of were. course I was, <laughs> and working at the seafood department. It was I mean it was a great summer, but it was also like. I think about that uniform and having to get in that. And at the end of the night, having to, I had to scrub the floors in something called, I remember it was called Q-San. It was some gross pink foamy sanitizer, and I would just spray it over everything. So I was just like constantly cracked and chapped and um, fat. What I did for love. love. Okay. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, Either Brandy by Looking Glass. That's a good song. Or I love that song. Yeah. Or Girl You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli. Oh, yeah. Those are just two that I always pick. I think they're easy to sing. Yeah. I, I'm not a good singer. And they're also just like really fun to get into. Girl around. You
0: Know It's True is hilarious because you're, they didn't sing it. No, or they, they that's exactly. A, they were singing karaoke. And so they they were, were, exactly. Okay, what's the most trouble you ever got in, in school?
1: I, my senior year in high school, a uh, there were eight of us. Who got caught smoking pot at a state, um, sort of like a national honor society type thing? Ooh, you're supposed and to be the good kids. We were the good kids, and we were kicked out of every club. We were, oh my God. we were, um, we lost thousands of dollars in scholarship money. Our names were on the front page of the paper in our small town. We brought marijuana to Lincoln, North Carolina. So you're welcome, Lincoln. Um, but it
0: sounded like it really messed you guys up. It messed
1: us up for a while. It really did. It was a thing where, well. It was something where we had to realize that we, we were in such a bubble in our tiny little town and we were all the good kids. And we also partied though. We were not like, we made good grades, but we also were like, we were drinking and we had, yeah. you know, and so it was an opening experience. We were like, oh, these people, this small town won't love you back. It's, we all had to get out of here. And, um, you know, so it was a really good lesson in all of us to realize like, what's actually important you know, we lost all the things that we thought were important in high school in terms of because our. Because of this. Yeah, yeah, um, and we had to kind of figure out, you know, um, yeah, who were our friends? We had teachers that wouldn't speak to us after it happened. They were so disappointed in us, and were you we weren't all? even caught. We weren't even caught doing it. We we didn't invite this horrible girl. Shannon wasn't invited, and she told on us. And so the next day, they asked us if we did it, and we were the, you know... You were the good guys. So and I, a friend, they they actually ambushed one girl and said, tell us that awful thing.
0: So there were eight of you. Did you guys mm-hmm. stick together as a unit, or did you start turning on each other? We
1: stuck together. We That's really amazing. did. Yeah, it, it is. Well, you know, it was nothing like that had ever happened to any of us before, and we were so, like, scared to tell our parents. But then what happened was, very quickly... We started getting way we were treated terribly. Like it was one of those things. Like we had to suffer the punishment, but then it would be like every week we another another shoe would drop, another thing would happen to us, another thing. So our parents actually became really defensive of us, and I think and and we um, because we realized that like I mean they realized that we didn't deserve that kind of a treatment. It sounds I like mean, they
0: were putting a bunch of stuff on you. That they were wasn't they were putting
1: everything on us that they yeah. wanted to, and it was like and also. You know, it's a thing where it's it's really sad when, uh, you know, a, a t- and again, I have such great memories of growing up there and living there. It's not like I I, I can't ever go back or anything like that. But right. it's sad when a town does that to their to their um their kids who are leaders because it's yeah. basically saying, you don't you're not welcome here. And you know you have to learn that lesson when you're eighteen, and then um, you know you you, you I'm so glad for me it was such a blessing. But it was—it's really hard. Did it I think, cost, you know.
0: cost people scholarships and stuff. Yes,
1: I—I I lost thousands of dollars in scholarships wow. from that. You know, I had—I actually I had to turn down um, one scholarship. Like I, I had to actually turn. Where it you were in. going to go? Yeah. No. It, well, it was—it was a scholarship from the club at which we were—we were, we were um, excuse me, from the club where we were smoking pot. Oh, okay. So they offered me a national scholarship, and I had to turn it down because I was kicked out of the club and and I had to call them and explain what was happening. And they actually said, we obviously, we looked down on this, but as long as you're still a member of this club, we have this amount of money set aside for you. Yeah. And the person at my school, the teacher who was in charge of it said, you're not a member of the club. So the teacher at my school kept me from getting the money, not the organization. So it was evil. And it was a thing where we were. So when things like that happened, You know, my parents were like, okay, you know what? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't deserve that. So that also, I think really helped us. I think if we were, if it was more of a, you know, crucible type situation that we maybe would have turned on each other, but we also were all seniors and we were so close at the time and we're ready to go. So it was a nice kick. It was an eye opener.
0: Yeah, um, you have another show coming up that I forgot to ask you about before we wrap it up. Yes, uh, with the very funny Sam Pancake. Yes, and it's called "We Are Special
1: Bitches." (laughs) Yes, what's it about? We are playing. um, Sam and I have done a bunch of shows together, and we were doing this these horrible uh, life coach guru. You would come out to
0: "Let the River Run" by Carly Simon, which was the dance around
1: (laughs) for the entirety of the song. That song holds up. Yeah, it's such a good song. Well, that's the thing, too. We never lost our joy for that, for yeah. that song. It's amazing. And it makes me think of Working Girl every time. Um, no, what we wanted to do, uh, uh, we're, we're going to do an acting class from hell. Um, our friend Joe Tower, after one of the shows that we had done at Casita, told us we were upstairs probably in Golden Girls Drag or something. We were talking about all the shows that we do in our weird lives. And he just looked at us and he's like, you are special bitches. And we started laughing and it just kind of made us laugh at each other. And we're like, what if we did a show where we were unironically saying we were calling ourselves special bitches, like we are special bitches. And then we just started to come up with this idea of these horrible, I'm going to be this terrible acting coach named Bobby Garibaldi. And Sam is my protege student whose name is Draven St. Nest, and (laughs) which he came up with and I love so much because it's like St. Nest, whatever that means, whatever saint that was. And then um, it's gonna be an acting class for the audience. So we're gonna have people getting up You're going and doing we are gonna put it. us through our paintings. Uh-huh. We're gonna have people do cold reading, uh, trust fall. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we're figuring that out as well. But that's gonna be at Casita del Campo on the 18th and 19th of June. So the week after Happy Birthday, Doug, and we're gonna do that show. I love so it's it. It's a busy month of.
0: What theater. is it that keeps you and like Sam and, and like, I don't know, there's people in this community, <laughs> and I'm part of it too. Going, let's do that thing. Let's be creative. Like, because I think it would be very easy to go, you know what? I'm not going to fucking pick up the phone unless it's maybe my quote or I'm not going to do a free gig. Right, I'm not going to go to
1: this thing. It's a little bit of like, you know, when I think, you know, just because we love to stay creative and we love to keep doing stuff. So when things aren't coming to us, you know, we make them. And I think too, like if it was the first thing I was talking to a friend who's writing her first solo show and she's having all kinds of anxiety about it. And I was talking to her and I was like, it never really gets easy. It's like, I think of this as like my fifth child with yeah. my solo show, but you, you, you worry less about making it your opus and like having to say everything you've ever wanted to say. It's like, this is one thing I'm doing. And I, and that's what I said to her. I was like, think of it as one, th- your next thing you're doing as opposed to my solo show my story, the only thing I have to tell. Cause I think that's a lot of people's first thing that they do. And so that is really daunting. Cause you feel like it has to be perfect and has to be amazing. Yeah. And I think when we do, especially at Casita del Campo, which is the basement of a Mexican restaurant. And we're like, let's try out this idea and we'll see how it goes. And so it, it, you, so you sort of, you start to think, or if you come up in the world of sketch comedy and you, you write and you're writing, you know, seven or eight sketches a week you just in the idea of like let's try out that idea, and then there are things you do that don't work, and you go, well, we'll never do that again. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like I'm invalid, and I'll never have anything. Right. And going it feels on. like the way to live. Yeah, it does feel the right way, and it way keeps in. you feel like because like it's been you know on um, the last couple of months have been slow for me professionally, yeah. and I don't feel that way because I have so much going on. Yeah. In my own in my own yeah, world. Yeah, I feel the like, same way about mine. And then I go to yeah. my
0: ATM and I'm like, oh shit. I know. But it's a, uh, it's exactly. better than not exactly. doing
1: the thing. Because otherwise, you know, you sit around and panic because you can't really make the, you know, the money jobs come in as much as you, you can. You have control over how much you create and how much you put out. There. Yeah. And there's, you know.
0: Do you ever get patronized by people that are more in the established business? I, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I remember working on I was working with David Morton on the screenplay for Testosterone mm-hmm. in this coffee shop in Starbucks. This was in the early 2000s. And this guy that I knew who was a successful television writer, I'd been friendly with for a while, was stopping in on his way to a successful TV job. Uh-huh. And he was like, "And what are you working on? Oh, we're doing this. And we're going to go shoot it. And, oh, is it going to be an outfest? And it was uh-huh. that patronizing uh-huh. thing of like you have fun in your little gay yeah, your little sandbox. Projects. You uh-huh. have fun in your Mexican restaurant. Yes. I'm gonna be over here in real highway make the big box. Yes. And I to this day I wanted the movie to be successful because of him. Uh-huh. But do you guess the, is there an actor version of that? Oh like, my oh, god. Oh, are you doing your show Absolutely. in the in the
1: Oh, when people are like, you know, I wish I had time to do theater. Oh, just my I'm just the TV that I'm doing. I just don't have time. It's like you have time to do theater. I mean, they're major, you know, it's like Laurie Metcalf has time to do theater. So right. you do too. You know, right. it's like, it's like, come on. But yes, I think it's, it's also, it's this weird, it's a gross thing about like that it's a competition and they feel like, um, but every time that people want to, they wave their fingers and they say the word little, like your little thing that you do. And I've seen you in one of your little, uh, doodly do shows and you know, and it's like, <laughs> bitch, you couldn't do that with a gun to your head. So don't even, don't even you know, little, don't little but, me. Because but I've also had, because it, on the flip side, you, you know, you have incredibly huge, successful people who do come to these things and are, and are like, oh my God, that's, right. how can I do it? You know, so it's, it's really about, and a lot of it, it's what I'm doing in my new show right now is especially one of the characters in particular who does that nonstop. And it's a very, it's also a real gay thing that they love to do. I mean speaking of Fest which is my favorite time of the year in July right. where I see you a lot and it's like we all you know have these great 11 days but also some of some of the greatest and worst people come out of the woodwork <laughs> those 11 days in July and they will find you at the free vodka bar and they will be as patronizing <laughs> as they can and you realize like you're just crying inside, and you're. This is all about you, right. And not really about me, right? The the the,
0: the job so. is for 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 us, or if you, is to not take it on and not I let know. it make you feel things. But it does. It does. Wrestle. And
1: there's sometimes, and sometimes you let your defenses down, and yeah. you say, "Oh my god," you know, and you really want to be vulnerable. The hard thing too is when you're a creative person, a writer, actor, yeah. you have to be vulnerable because you have to be yeah. open. But you open up your wounds so people can kind of come in, and they will say. The other thing, too, is I think people try to be funny, and they say really mean things because they think that's your sense of humor, and they think that you'll respect them more if you cut to the chase. Like, a lot of people will act like they're kind of annoyed to meet you, or they'll act like they're like, oh, this bitch. They kind of do that thing to you. It's a real gay thing that we do to each other. We don't really... And it's like, you could be nice, you know, or you could also say, I like what you do first before you go right into some bitchy (laughs) comment because you think, now I'm going to adhere... You're gonna endear yourself to me. Cause right. It's like, oh, because
0: I live in that dark place. All oh, the time. you're a
1: cunt. I like you. It's like, no, said no one. Like no one likes that person. So, and it's also just everyone's insecurity. Yeah, it's the like
0: ground zero. Of that shit is the the Outfest filmmaker pool party. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. First of all. For a while, you couldn't even get in if you were a filmmaker. Like, it was weird. I know. And then a lot of the people there are, like, A-list Hollywood guys that don't go to any of the screenings. Right. And you've got your dumb postcard for your short film. I know. They don't give a fuck. They want to fuck the twink in the pool.
1: There are twinks in the pool who are, like, paid to be there, (laughs) to just float around. And it's like, I don't... Please make a one-man show about the (laughs) Outfit Filmmaker pool party. (laughs) Yes. I haven't gone in years because I, I also am a nerd. I actually go to the movies. Right. I try to see, like... I see like 20 or 25 I know. programs. I go to everything. Yeah. And it's like, and some people kind of laugh at me about that. I'm like, you guys, this is the time to see all this stuff. Yeah, no, and when I, I have agree. the day, if I have a yeah. Saturday or Sunday free yeah. and I can see four or five things that day, I, I'll i stay at the DGA yeah. all day. I'm, I'm a nerd. All
0: right. Tell people how they can learn about your shows, how they could get tickets and uh, where they need to go. Yes,
1: because all, all the tickets are in different places. But okay. you, can, you can follow me on Instagram, which is Drew Drogi. Um, on Twitter, at Drew Drogi, Yeah. Um, you know, that's the best Those way. That's the best places. Yeah. Okay. And I post about it constantly.
0: So. Yay. And cavernclubtheater.com I know is the website for the mm-hmm. We Are Special Bitches. Because I Please, was hearing I mean, it as We Are Special Bitches. But it's more like We Are Special we Bitches. We Are Special
1: Bitches. Yeah. Yeah, you put a comma in there. Yeah. But I think it's good because I, I think it's also, I think When you think said it, 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 it landed
0: differently. I got it in a different way. Uh,
1: but, I think it's, you know, I think we can play yeah. around with both of them.
0: Um, <laughs> here's my last question and maybe you'll... You'll groove on this or not, but like, I feel like somebody that has done what you've been doing for a while has learned a lot and picked up a few things. If you're going to give a TED talk about how because it's the total wrong forum for the truth about this stuff, but I think that would be funny. I could see yeah. you with the little heads. Yes. yes. Like what?
1: What? What are the things you're telling people? Um. Uh. Don't be an asshole. Um, like, learn... Just... I don't know anybody who's so brilliant that people have put yeah. up with them forever. I mean, yeah. it's like, you can be an asshole when you're Ellen. I mean, until yeah. you're Ellen, <laughs> you cannot be an asshole. Just don't. Um, uh, learn... Just... Say yes to, you know, as much as you can and, let, and you know, um, until you have to know when to say no. I mean, I'm good. These are, like, bullet points. Right? But, no,
0: but I like But them. sometimes
1: you have to know when to say no because you have to answer the big yes. Like, always... Sort of always looking at, like, um, but I think um, definitely, like, jump in and do the thing. Try the thing. Try the idea. Yeah. Don't feel like it's not worth anything yet. It's not valid. It's not great yet. Do it. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is no one's going to look at it. Yeah. The worst thing is, like, no one's going to come. Or it didn't yeah. go well. Who cares? But it's that is... You know, um, because you never know. The things that I've had success with are never things that I would have predicted. So we're no judges of our own work. So just, you know, um, do that and and get to meet as many people as you can and work with other people. Be someone that people like to work with. Because if you're crazy and difficult in a way, you won't work, no matter how brilliant you are.
0: And I also love the way the community shows up for each other and they, they're they always in the other... Mm-hmm. I love going to a show at because I know I'll know half the people mm-hmm. in the audience.
1: Yeah. That's another... Yes, absolutely. Support each other. Be a fan. Be a fan. And also, just in a selfish way, know what else is out there. Learn and see what, yeah. el- what, what other people are doing. So, aside from supporting other people, um, you know, really, like, check out and see what the, you know, what the community is doing. But also, yeah, like... It's nice to do that. I really enjoy that. I love yeah. seeing what other people are doing, and then I want to. A lot of what why we do it is is for each other, yeah. you know. And put, when it's on stage, for sure,
0: love it. All right, it's been so much fun talking to you. I can't yeah, wait to so see fun. this new show. Thank, Thank you, you for coming and being on the couch with the animals. Thank you. All right, everybody, go see Drew's shows. Bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Drew Drogi. Go see his show. I'm going to be there. It's Happy Birthday, Doug Dynasty Typewriter, June 11th and 12th. I think I'm going on the 12th. And also in New York City on June 29th. And then he's got that great show with Sam Pancake, We Are Special Bitches. Anyway, get your Drew any way you can get him. Okay, so this happened. Rocket Man came out, the Elton John biopic musical. And I went to see it on opening night with a few friends. And I kind of loved it. I got swept up in it. But it brought back all my Elton history. And, you know, when I was a kid, the first album I bought with my own money... I say that like I was working in a coal mine, I guess it was my allowance, was Elton John's Greatest Hits, and I had a little blue record player, remember when they were record players, not just like a stereo or a sound, you know, whatever, a record player, and I remember playing it, and I remember loving Crocodile Rock when I was a kid, and then as I got older, other songs from that album would take the four, like Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me became a favorite for a while when I was older, and Anyway, it was just, I just, and then I would remember like getting the 8-tracks for Don't Shoot Me, I'm on the Piano Player and Honky Cat and playing Legos and just listening to those songs forever and ever. And so going to this musical, this movie, it was so much about the 70s and those days. It brought back so many feelings for me and just getting lost in those, those songs. And um, I thought Taron Edgerton did a great job. I thought you could just see on his face all of these conflicting emotions, especially related to his parents and things that were going on around him. I loved him. And I love that he sang it himself. I liked the quality of his voice. It was close enough to evoke Elton, but it wasn't a sound-alike performance. I just loved it. And uh, there's a question in the game, You Don't Know My Life, what's a song lyric you've been, you find you've been singing wrong, you found out you were singing wrong for years, right? And I should, every time I get that thing out, I should just write every Elton John song because the truth is, I've listened to those songs for decades and half the lyrics I don't know. Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, Horny, Brick Toad. I don't know what's going on. Like, So listening to the new versions in the movie, I was like, oh, that's what that line is. Oh, that's what he's saying. It's like every song. But it doesn't matter because it's about a feeling. its I, I don't know what Goodbye Yellow Brick Road's about. Um, but I know how it makes me feel. And um, the other like Elton John thing that's always meant something to me is when my first book came out, misadventures in the two I was doing everything I could to promote it. And I would go around town and sign stock in bookstores. You just walk in and introduce yourself and say, Hey, I, if you have my book, I'd be happy to sign it. Cause then hopefully they'd give it a more prominent place or whatever. They, it's just goodwill. And so I went into book soup on sunset Boulevard and, uh, introduced myself to the counter person. She goes, you'll never guess who was just in here. And bought three copies of your book. And I, I said, who? And she said, Elton John. And I was like, oh my God. I couldn't believe it. And I don't think it was that day. It might have been the day before. But it was recent enough that this person remembered. And three copies, which I loved because it had, it goes to his shopping excess. Like, he can't just have one. But I like to imagine that maybe one was for Donatella Versace. Because she was going through a hard time. And George Michael was going through a hard time. And maybe, I don't know what, I don't know what happened to the three books. I don't know if the clerk was full of shit, but I like to believe that that happened. And if I ever get to meet Alton John, I might mention that um, story. So it made me feel really good. All right. Um, I know people don't like Rocket Man. I kind of loved it. So if you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out. One thing is for sure, they didn't play it safe. They kind of went for it. And it kind of wore its heart on the sleeve, and I like that about it. All right, that's enough for that. Thank you for listening. Go see Drew Drogi's show, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye, when I won't have a cold anymore, I hope. Bye.